mission. You see, we taught the secret society. It only came because we let you Stop. Fathers, the monsters. We let them move. But now, all we have to do is make a C.I.A. Brainbugs, calling your ass out for this week's edition of this podcast. That's C.I.A. Brainbugs, or at C.I.A. Brainbugs, C-I-A-B-R-A-I-N-B-U-G-S, all one word on Twitter. I'm guessing you're a he, C.I.A. Brainbugs, because your Twitter profile says Soy Boy Beta Cuck, which you've apparently trademarked, smart by the way. Uh, but maybe you're a boy of soy who prefers uh, they, them pronouns or something else altogether. I, I don't know. But because you don't specify your pronouns in your Twitter bio, I have to assume it's not a huge deal to you. But if it is, I apologize and beg your forgiveness. Um, I, my name is Haas, and you can use whatever pronouns you wish on me. It, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but if you want me to use specific pronouns, or if you want me to call you anything, whatever you want, I'm happy to do it uh, if it will make your day even one billionth of a percent better, because that's what I'm all about. Not trying to misgender nobody. Uh, this is not that kind of show, but it is this kind of show, the kind of show that's hosted by me, Haas Bossman, which is a fake name. It's also the kind of show that has a new theme song every week. The kind of show you're listening to, and it is called Bridgie. Correct, you heard me. This is Breadsheet. You are listening to it, and my name is Haas Bossman. Thank you so kindly and humbly for joining me on this very special episode. Very special episode of Breadsheet. This is a Sheethead Spotlight Edition. Uh, please visit www.haas.fun to find the myriad places you can follow me. More on that in a sec, but I must give you a couple disclaimers up top here. Firstly, this is not a mini-sode. This is just the intro to a special sort of breadsheet episode I'm going to start doing. Excuse me. Special sort of breadsheet episode I'm going to start doing uh, in which I chat with someone on a single specific topic or tiny little set of related topics for a shorter but not many interview type thing. Uh, my guest today is Mr. Zach Van Noos, a former Jesus freak whom I thought could share some interesting brain thoughts on his experience of going from hardcore Christman to hardcore leftist. Not that you can't be both of those things at once. I think they should go hand in hand to some degree or another. 
uh, that just happens to have been his journey. Um, turns out I was correct about Zach having some interesting stuff to shed light upon. So stay tuned for this very special Sheethead Spotlight. This is an awesome conversation, and I thank you so much, Zach, for uh, taking time to to talk to me about uh, sort of the relationship between Jesus freakdom and uh, leftist politics. Um, tons more to talk about there, so definitely if you can shed some light on that listeners out there or you know know somebody like a maybe a, a pastor or somebody who's kind of into religious stuff but uh as a, a leftist politics type thing please let me know uh at hoss underscore bossman uh, on instagram and twitter and uh or you know just uh visit www.hoss.fun you know drop me a line in the many many ways you can get in touch with me um Okay, so I'm feeling a little conflicted over making a theme song for Zach, Mr. Van Noose, as it is my policy to make an original theme song for anyone appearing on the show for the first time, but I also have promised to make little um, mini original themes for my first 10 Patreon subscribers, uh, then make themes to everyone who signs up at a certain Patreon tier after that, um, and I am, I am working on that. Uh, I'm thinking like maybe $20 monthly recurring Patreon membership or maybe $100 one-time PayPal or Venmo um, along with featuring a mini interview slash Sheethead Spotlight on the show but uh, I reserve the right to tweak that. I still haven't figured it out. I don't love the idea of having Patreon exclusive content because I don't want uh, inability to pay or you know even unwillingness to pay money dollars to uh, make people, anybody miss out on some content. But uh, that said, I do want to do something special for patrons if that is something you want. If you're happy to just let your money dollars go to me, I'm, I'm happy to have them because I don't have a job and need one probably. But uh, the more monies I can get from the Patreons and, uh, you know, more monies I can get from the ads and stuff that I have to do. Um, the less of a job I'll have to have. Um, all that is in the works, I promise. So Cedric, Sanzi, Amanda, and Kevin Rose, my first four Patreon subs, your themes are coming, unless you want something else instead. They just take time, and uh, making original themes is turning out to be the most time-consuming element of making this chaotic little show. I love doing it, though, and so I'm going to continue doing it. So, But not to not be unfair to my patrons, instead of making an entirely new theme for Mr. Zach Van Noos, I'm going to introduce him with a parody of one of the already existing Breadsheet segment themes. So, Zach, you're getting a parody of the Haas News theme, one of my favorite Breadsheet themes, so stay tuned for that. Um... Little just pinch of Haas news here. I uh, have uh, gotten my COVID vaccine first round, and uh, they just opened them up in Georgia for everybody to be able to get them. Uh, also uh, interviewed John Siebels, the guitar player for Eve 6 a few days ago, which was awesome and amazing to me. It was such a great interview. I loved it so much. Um, I've been an Eve 6 fan since, you know, back when their first couple albums came out in the late 90s. And um, they are, you, you might have seen, uh, they've become very active on Twitter recently, and they're very funny. I think it's, they're just at Eve6, numeral 6, uh, E-V-E-6, uh, and uh, I believe it's their singer, Max, who runs the Twitter account. Um, but uh, John is also an awesome dude, and he had he's a he's a leftist politically and apparently is like pretty active in some stuff. So that's going to be the next episode of Breadsheet. Um, so go ahead and start getting pumped for that. He was a fantastic guest, brought even more to the table in terms of this show supposedly being about leftist politics than I was expecting him to, and I was expecting him to bring a whole hell of a lot. Uh, he talks in our interview about a musician's union that he's active in, which maybe I should join up with that because I am technically a musician. Uh, musician. And uh, all kinds of other awesome stuff we talked about in there, which uh, I will tease a little bit more in the intro to that upcoming episode. Uh, so yeah, get pumped for that. And that's going to be, I'm trying to get back on weekly releases. So this interview or this intro, I'm trying to keep short. I think it's going to be under 10 minutes. I've already up to like eight minutes now. So I better make this quick. Um, so uh, yeah, um, 
I'm feeling good. I'm feeling COVID vaccinated. And yeah, real short intro. Okay, it's pretty much over already. I don't think I have to say anything else. Um, but come back a week from today. I'm going to tr- start trying to get episodes out uh, Friday mornings or, you know, late Thursday nights um, again regularly. And uh, I've got some great YouTube videos in the works. Uh, and uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Haas underscore Bossman. My streaming slash recording space is looking all sexy. And I'm super stoked to start streaming and filming video essays in here. Uh, it's where I'm recording from right now. And uh, I've got my artwork on the walls and I've got about halfway halfway through treating it for good sounding stuff. I'm going to be recording stuff in here soon. I cut off the tip of my finger uh, on my right or my left uh, pointer finger. So that sucks. And uh, I'm waiting for that to heal. Um, just like the very, very tip of it, I cut off and mostly it was just callus from guitar playing. So it didn't really hurt all that bad, but you know, it's a callus I've been building up for over 20 years. Uh, and, uh, it kind of sucks that I just lost some of that callus, but, uh, it's, I'm trying to, trying to get it healing, um, being careful with it. And, uh, I'm going to start doing some very short streams with that, but I can't play with it for too long or it starts hurting real bad. Um, and, uh, okay. So yeah. Let's see, I'm Haas underscore Bossman, uh, and let's follow me on Twitch, and visit bit.ly slash HaasTube to get stanky with the Haas Bossman YouTube channel, um, and on Twitch, it's uh, twitch.tv slash Haas underscore Bossman. I most recently put up a 20-minute clip of the great Chris Crofton telling a magical story about he, how he learned he had some bad slash dumb slash harmful ideas, uh, complete with video from our Zoom call, and the topic he's talking about in that is uh, he actually did, I think, on Instagram TV, if you go to his Twitter account, which is, uh, or his uh, Instagram account, which is uh, at The Crofton Show on Instagram, he put up an Advice King video recently, which he does this thing in the the Nashville scene called Advice King, and uh, he recently did a sort of, you know, him reading uh, one of his columns uh, about transgender kids and uh people being shitty about it and stuff and uh, it's a it's a beautiful story i did not describe it very well just now but um basically he talks about how he had was disabused about some bad ideas he had about uh gay people back in the day in the like i think in the 80s um when somebody was patient enough with him to explain how he had been kind of a, a dummy and had some harmful shitty ideas and uh, was disabused of those and it's a great little you know video from our zoom call that is uh, on the Haas Bossman YouTube channel uh, it was clipped from his two-part episode of Breadsheet which you should check out if you haven't or even if you have listen again it's a great episode I can't remember how far back it's like episode maybe episodes like seven and nine maybe something like that around there but just go back through the the breadsheet uh feed on your podcast app of choice listen to all of them binge them uh you can you know zach mentions in our little talk here that he loves hearing my uh my confidence get better throughout the series hopefully it hasn't gotten too uh confident i'm not you know i'm still pretty um not uh but the uh (laughs) But I think I have gotten better at speaking on mic here and speaking extemporaneously and just getting these brain juices squeezed out uh, into this microphone. Um, but uh, yeah, so go back and listen to the breadsheets. I've got some great interviews archived up, some luminaries on the left, some artists, some thinkers, and some just good old folks, uh, and lots of crazy music I've made, theme songs I've made for those guests, and all that stuff, uh, so yeah, um, if you, even if you have listened to them all, listen to them again, and especially the, the Chris Crofton episodes, and really all my interview episodes are really good, also the, the mini-sodes where it's just me solo, uh, I think people seem to think those are fairly sexual as well, um, and, uh, yeah, please subscribe to that YouTube channel, share, rate, and review this podcast. That apparently helps a lot. And, you know, if you like my videos uh, and my stuff that's on my YouTube channel, you know, just do all the nice podcast and YouTube things to help get the word about my stuff. 
Oh, another little piece of Haas news. I did a like little short mini interview uh, with uh, for the Propagandi podcast, the Unscripted Moments, which I highly recommend that podcast. Uh, and I talked about my Victory Lap cover, which is an acoustic cover I did of Victory Lap, which was acknowledged by the singer from Propagandi, Mr. Chris Hanna, one of the greatest singers and songwriters of all time. And uh, he... Um, he's cool and it's a little lyric video that I made with my cover and people really seem to dig it so you can find that that's a victory lap propaganda cover on the Haas Bossman YouTube channel as well um you know just help me out do all the nice podcasts and YouTube things to help get the word out uh I really need a new laptop uh, so it'd be good if I got some money which you can help with by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash house underscore bossman or buying a copy of the sounds of breadsheet that's at hossbossman.bandcamp.com. Hossbossman, all one word. And uh, you can do that latter thing today. If you do that thing today, uh, April 2nd, 2021, uh, I will get to keep all the money dollars you spend, all seven of them that you exchange for the Sounds of Breadsheet, which has 29 tracks, which is a steal, really. Um, or you can purchase my more serious-ish music at thekmax.bandcamp.com, and I'll get all the monies from that if you do that. That's T-H-E-K-M-A-C-K-S.bandcamp.com. That's my like sort of country punk band uh, from a little while back. And uh, because Bandcamp is waiving their take just for today, uh, so please show some love there. You can find all those links and such in this episode's description slash show notes or by going to www.host.fun. So do that. Come back next week to hear my awesome chat with Eve Six's John Siebels. But now, please enjoy this very special Sheethead Spotlight with my very special guest, Mr. Zach Van Noos. Mr. Zach Van Noos. Mr. Zach Van Noos. Zach Van Noos. Zach Van full name on this you want to use a pseudonym oh or just yeah want to go by zach no. or yeah no you can use my full name i don't give a shit okay. uh, <laughs> i've reached the point where like i've said so much terrible stuff on twitter uh-huh. uh under my real name that are like if employers are gonna find it they're gonna find it i, re- I really don't care at this point <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> i'm i still kind of have like one foot in because like you know i work in education is like my yeah. you know or you know has been i'm trying to get back into it right now um, you know, that's kind of been one of my main fields. And I've always had such a tough time with like, especially like growing up in the Bible belt and like, you know, I was in punk bands. I have tons of like music and like comedy sketches I did in college, like videos up on YouTube that are findable that have yeah. like dirty shit in them or whatever. And it's like, so I go by Haas Bossman, you know, that's the pseudonym, um, the stage name, I guess in a way, but, uh, it's like, if anybody wants to find out, you know, I'm not like hiding my face or whatever, but it's like at this yeah. point, I figure I'll just kind of uh, if it looks like I'm kind of making some effort to keep it somewhat separate. I think if that's not good enough for uh, whatever, like school wants to hire me or whatever, then it's like eh, I don't want to put forth the effort to do it anyway. So, yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like if they find it and they like they don't want to hire me because of that, then I probably don't want to work with you anyway. Exactly. So like, yeah, it's not really a loss. I would have quit in six months. So we'll um, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, we, um, so Zach Van Noose is uh, a, a Twitter fiend Zeitgang, right? Is that, is that yep. kind of how we connected? Right. So fan oh, yeah. of the daily Zeitgeist podcast. And, uh, we actually met in person at a black lives matter rally, like coming on a year ago now, I guess. Um, yep. and, uh, that was cool. And, I, uh, so I guess if you could just like tell folks a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do and like sort of why we were kind of going back and forth about why I thought you'd be an interesting person to bring on the show. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, uh, you know, member of the zeitgeist, uh, I think cracked was the first podcast I ever listened to. So that kind of got me in. So as soon as Jack moved over, uh, started following that. And that's actually what got me back on Twitter was hearing all the AKA drops. I was like, well, I got to get in on this. Same here. Uh, <laughs> and then just like the community just kind of adopts us, uh, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, I live just North of Atlanta. Uh, 
I work in marketing, which is a struggle at times because it feels like I'm just perpetuating a system that I highly disagree with uh, and making rich people richer. So it's an ongoing battle at the moment. But yeah, like you said, kind of the the root of you know what we're going to talk about and what kind of started the conversation was growing up in the Bible Belt. Uh, I was obviously a Christian conservative growing up, super Southern Baptist. Uh, dad was a cop. My sister's a cop. So like I was as uh, ingrained in all these things as I think you could be. I was the most ideal Christian conservative, <laughs> super big family, homeschooled, uh, went to church. Uh, we did karate through our church. So literally every social event I had was church related. So it was just everything I did. Uh, even to the point of until I was 16 or 17, I never really even listened to music that wasn't Christian music. Damn. Uh, so, you know, there's so many like cultural touchstones that I know from pop culture and from being in the zeitgeist, but I don't actually have the point of reference of like, I never listened to the Backstreet Boys. I was listening to Plus One. So like, this <laughs> this really weird experience of knowing what people are talking about, but still being completely separate from it uh, and having a vastly different experience. And then when I try to, would try to relate by bringing up one of those things, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, what is he talking about? I don't know who Plus One is. So <laughs> sure, yeah. No, that's what I, I, you know, today I'll bring up with like, you know, especially, um, you know, for like my last copywriting job, the two guys who I worked with were Jewish and I would like bring up these uh, Christian bands. And of course it's like, especially <laughs> if you're fucking Jewish, you have absolutely no reason to have yeah. ever heard yeah, of yeah, any yeah. of that shit. But, and, yeah. but even just like being a normal person, even if you are a Christian, like most people aren't familiar at all with Christian music. No, there's like the two or three touchstones that everyone knows. Uh, everybody knows DC Talk. Like mm. it's it's inescapable. Uh, and then you get to the point where like some people will know like more like the adult contemporary stuff, like, you know, like a Stephen Curtis Chapman or Michael W. Smith, or like if you're, you know, in your 60s, you knew Ray Bolts, uh -huh. uh, which is interesting because he came out a few years ago. Hmm. Uh, and then my mom had like this weird reckoning she had to go through of like this guy that she loved, like she had all of his cassettes, pretty sure she'd seen him in concert, but she'd always supported him. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the point of music like that is to find inspiration and to draw you closer to God. So now it's this person that she had this experience with, and now he's gay and she thinks being gay is a sin that you go to hell no matter what. So like sure. the cognitive dissonance of, so this guy that brought me closer to God is gay and I don't believe he'll ever meet God. How do I just like, how do I make sense of this in my head? So it was interesting watching her kind of go through that experience, hmm. which is, I think a lot, and you know, kind of what I went through as I got older and obviously mine was more just meeting people that were gay because I'd always been warned about them. And I'm like, oh, you're just, you're a person. Like yeah. you're, you're not this scary thing that church told me you were, you're just a dude. Uh, and so my awakening towards, you know, kind of getting out of a lot of those, you know, dangerous mindsets just had to do with expanding my reach of, of who I was talking to on a regular basis and kind of getting out in the world a little bit, but because she never had that hers was, Hey, this, <laughs> this person I know from bringing me closer to God is gay. How does this make sense? So it was kind of interesting to, to watch that happen. Sure. Yeah. That the cognitive dissonance thing, which, you know, I brought this up with a couple of uh, guests, um, the the Pansy Division guy, Chris Freeman, mm -hmm. and uh, a little further back, which I just put up that that clip with Chris Crofton, who is, you know, a, a zeit, daily zeitgeist uh, yep. regular. Um, he and, you know, that we both sort of brought that same thing up, that the cognitive dissonance of like, you know, uh, gayness being this other thing and like that's just it's it's such a um an illustrative issue of just like people changing their minds about something like so quickly and yeah. what what kind of effect did that have did that make your mom like maybe less religious or did it like just kind of make her have to square like you know gay people are just people too or what did she just like sit with that dissonance uh just sit with it uh, mm. I think she's more open than she used to be. And I say all this is someone I haven't spoken to her in probably a year. Uh, mm. It's just healthier to have distance in that relationship. Uh, but as she 
knew more people, you know, whether it be, you know, that were in the spotlight or friends of her kids who then came out as adults, you know, people that she had spent time around, you have to kind of come to terms with it a little bit of, obviously it's not this thing I thought it was. It's not a danger. They weren't trying to turn my kids gay. They're just people living their life. Uh, But she still can't separate, hey, maybe the thing I believe is wrong. Uh, You know, maybe I've been led astray and and it's it's not the issue I think it is. Uh, So I think it's more she just kind of compartmentalizes it and moves on, which is as someone who was a Christian for a very long time, I had to do that with a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of things that don't make sense. And you just be like, well, if I just don't think about that, I can just keep moving forward. And it doesn't have to kind of shake my worldview in any sort of way. Uh, that requires me to dig in and, and really get introspective on what do I believe in? Why do I believe it? Is it more than just my parents told me it's true, so I believe it's true? Or do I actually believe it's true? And if I hold up the magnifying glass, it will you know, still be true. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think compartmentalization is really the route that I think most Christian conservatives take because it's the easiest. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's and I think it's like that with a lot of different views, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously we've seen with, uh, you know, Trumpism being like just a very exaggerated, uh, obvious version of that, where it's like, just doesn't seem like anything can penetrate the bubble. Like it just keeps mm-hmm. continually, like fractally, infinitely getting compartmentalized. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, yeah. So would you say like your are, are you still religious or spiritual at all do you still believe are you are you just pretty much agnostic atheist uh i'm agnostic uh and it was a pretty long journey and kind of a scary one i think when you grow up in it it's so entwined in who you are uh which is really the danger of kind of christian conservatism as a whole is that your personality is based on it i don't know of any other belief system where like everything you do is based on this book uh, so mm. it, it's really strange and even to the point like I met my wife at church uh, so like we got married at, uh, and then we were both still going to church and as I started to kind of move away from religion as a whole as it made less and less sense to me and as I kind of saw the world for what it was and tried to match that up to what my belief systems were it brings into question of well if I leave religion like what does that mean for my marriage because in the Bible it says you're supposed to be you know equally yoked so if now I'm not a Christian, but she still is, like, do we stay together? Uh, you know, it's one of those weird things where everything gets tied up in it. Uh, but luckily, as I was moving away, she was feeling a lot of the same things. And so we slowly, and it was probably about two or three year process from that initial, I don't know if I believe this anymore, to completely removed of it's no part of me in any way. I like the idea that there are things that, you know, I learned or things that uh, you know, I kind of adopted through it that I think did make me a better person. I, I think there's a lot of good things that can come from, you know, a belief system, not necessarily organized religion, uh, but a belief system or finding some sort of higher power to work towards even 12 step programs. You know, they add the higher power aspect to it. And that really helps people kind of get their mind around it and work towards something. Uh, but as far as overall spirituality, I'm pretty much done with all of it. Uh, it's more, I just want to be a good person. I want my kids to be a good person, you know, uh, kind of do no harm is really my approach towards everything. Now, if you're doing something that I don't understand or doesn't make sense to me, but it hurts no one, why would I give a shit? Like what's, what's the point? Is, is it worth an argument if it doesn't hurt anyone? No, not really. Sure. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's the, you know, another thing I've brought up uh, quite a few times is like this. uh, I I think that that mindset of like, uh, you know, if as long as you're not hurting anybody, how can, you know, everybody should be able to do whatever they want, you know, and I feel like uh, there is like, especially like a lot of right wingers, uh, libertarian types, they think they sort of have that attitude. And then when they like, when you really dig down, they kind of don't, especially, you know, Christian conservative stuff. But, you know, the like being able to uh, square this, like everybody should be able to do what they want as long as it's not hurting anybody attitude with like not wanting gay people to be able to get married. Yeah. Kind of impossible to square those things together. You have to compartmentalize <laughs> yeah. those two things at the same time. Um, and uh, 
but yeah so that would you say that like um you know i'd say just i'll, I'll give you kind of my background very very truncated like i was raised you know both my dad was baptist uh still is somewhat religious my mom i never really was explicitly super religious but like always she kind of i think saw it more as like a social thing of like you mm -hmm. know, supposed to be a christian because of yeah. where we live or whatever um and uh but you know i i wasn't like really raised going to church every single sunday but i was like raised as like you know this is the truth and i pretty much started falling out of that when i was like 11 12 13 years old and just started having the very basic fundamental like logical questions about it of like mm -hmm. you know the shit just doesn't add up and like yeah. it, like if you know god is you know just the really really basic fundamental stuff like if god is supposed to be all loving then why is there why are there like children who are born and then like starve to death within days of being born like yeah that you know none of that really like why am i so like fortunate and privileged in this position and like people around me are worried about like whether or not they can own a gun is like the biggest issue in their life and yeah. then there are people starving to death like millions of people around the world are malnourished at the, at the same time and people in war zones and all this stuff so it's like hard to you know compartmentalize i guess like i my maybe my brain was still flexible enough at that age to not have to compartmentalize them anymore but um I uh, already, you know, just like say, okay, these things just don't make sense together. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, so I definitely went through an asshole atheist phase that lasted up until, you know, maybe late college, early grad school, you know, mid 20s ish, when I started kind of just getting a little bit more, um, you know, I think that's something that happens to a lot of people as they get older is just like yeah. get a little bit more humble and a little bit i don't know everything you know you start to realize the more you learn the more you know the more you know you don't know kind of thing and um so uh it it took me a while to kind of square it but i've always been you know very anti-war you know mostly because of the music i got into and stuff and i mm -hmm. was like reading howard zinn and noam chomsky when i was in high school and all that and then um i and you know just listening to all the political punk bands about religion and you know uh, pennywise and dead kennedys and all that stuff yeah. and uh i but then like kind of later realized that the stuff that i had really taken away from being raised christian were the stuff that i like always kind of stuck with like you know this is pretty good about jesus's teachings about like being peaceful and caring about poor people and not judging others and and all that kind of like you know sort of more mushy stuff about christianity <laughs> yeah um like you know I always I do wonder like if I hadn't been raised in the church to some degree would those values have been instilled to me to the degree of like now a lot of my identity is built around being like a leftist politically and being like mm -hmm. you know I just believe in a politics and you know a social justice sort of like uh, ethos and um, how would you say like would you say that I don't know, but that you're being raised in the church sort of informed you transitioning into that type of politics? Uh, I I think it actually delayed it more than anything else. Uh, and and you saying that, you know, listening to, you know, more political punk bands and things like that, I think really probably helped you transition earlier. So kind of being in that, that really it was a bubble of only listening to Christian music. So like when my friends were listening to, you know, Rage Against the Machine, there, there's no Christian equivalent of Rage Against the Machine that's giving you those same ideals, uh, but, you know, with a, a Christian twist. You know, there's plenty of other one-to-ones, you know, everybody's made the joke that you would go to like Lifeway and it'd be like, hey, you like Slipknot? Listen to Demon Hunter. And that was like the, <laughs> the way you would find music. Like, oh, all my friends like this band, I can probably listen to this. But because everything was so focused on that Christian theme, it more reinforced the things that I already believed uh, up until about probably 2007, 2008. Uh, so, you know, I was you know, 17, 18, 19, around that age. And then the bands that I had been listening to for years 
because they were all, you know, a year or two older than me. We're starting to experience the normal stuff you experience at 19, 20, and 21 of questioning everything you were raised in. So then their lyrics start to shift, uh, you know, and then that really had an impact on me. So that was kind of what really transitioned me into thinking about things a little more openly of, you know, a singer of a band that I really like starts talking about his, his drug abuse problems in a song. And you're like, well, this is a Christian band. Like he's not supposed to be talking about how he struggled with a cocaine addiction. That's not what this is. Uh, but that's what he was talking about because that's what was real to him. And so that kind of really helped us to broaden my worldview a bit uh, and start to look at those things in a way that I hadn't before. Uh, but I would definitely say you know, growing up listening to DC Talk and having songs about not having sex until you're married, like on every single album, definitely drills it into your head as a you know an 11 12 and 13 year old that oh you just don't have sex till you're married if toby max not having sex till he's married why would i do it he's so much cooler than me uh so wow. <laughs> i think it really did its job of instilling these ideals of this is what a good christian is mm-hmm. and to the point that i didn't really question them because it was an echo chamber of all i was really getting sure yeah no i and when I think back to the stuff that I really like dug about DC talk specifically, like they have some, and God, it is so cringe. If you listen to it now, um, <laughs> that there's like on, on Jesus freak, there's a song called colored people, which oh, yeah. I used to love. That's like, yep. you know, this very, it's a very like, I don't know, like lib sort of somewhat pretty progressive, I guess for the genre of music it is, but like, yeah, especially in 95. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> And uh, also a side note on, on DC Talk, something I recently discovered about them that I had not known until, and I mean, I was like really into, basically it was just Jesus Freak for a solid like couple of years. And then I discovered um, like Appetite for Destruction and realized like I'm- I, <laughs> Oh, I mean, this is good music. <laughs> yeah, got got super addicted to like hard panned, like distorted, like crunchy, you know, palm muted guitars. And yeah. it was really, it, it really was um, fucking Guns N' Roses that like started me on that and like <laughs> got me addicted to like, you know, just all, you know, punk and, you know, some lighter metal type stuff. But yeah, um, I, uh, but I, I, I was like, kind of went down a rabbit hole with DC Talk a couple of years ago when I was like, man, I haven't listened to this shit in like 15 years. And uh, I, I heard some stuff that was like their albums before Jesus Freak, which if you've never heard it, like it definitely would have been like before our time. We're roughly the same age. I think maybe I'm a couple of years older than you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, you know, by the time I heard them, this stuff was like old DC talk, like when I was a little kid. Um, but like in the early 90s, they were still a like rap rock kind of act. Yep. But it was like late 80s, early 90s style rap. So it is fucking hilarious. Like I highly recommend, like they have a couple of music. There's like a... Um, a song I had never heard by of theirs called like uh, Jesus is all right with me. I think it's the song. Yeah, the and music video where they're dancing in the desert. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so you are familiar. Um, so that is the first album I remember hearing. Damn. Because uh, that that came out in '92. So, okay. and I have the uh, the album art. It's on my forearm. Uh, awesome. Because it like it that was as cringy as that album is. Like it was hugely influential for me. There's stuff that they talk about on that that was like work for me to like not believe anymore uh which is strange but no i was i was all in but that shit is cringy uh that album is is it's pretty trash uh but think back to jesus freak there's like you said colored people is as terrible of a name as that song is uh there's some songs on there and and we had been talking about it after i put out a picture of of me having it on vinyl Mm -hmm. on Twitter a little while back. I I listened to it and it had been a while. Uh, And there were a couple songs that are like super progressive on there. Like what have we become Mm -hmm. is legitimately a good song. And it talks about like race relations or, uh, you know, what's the opening lines? Like a a preacher shuns his brother because his bride's a different color. And like, you know, like, (laughs) 
It's corny, but it's, I totally, that was really some of the first, like, I guess, like explicitly political music I ever really liked a lot. So, yeah. Same. Yeah. It's cringy. And it's funny to go back now and listen to it and then kind of see where they're at. Obviously, like, Toby's like, he's an industry. The dude is like, he is Christian music. Mm -hmm. Uh Michael, like, there's pictures of him at, like, the Trump White House, so it's very clear, like, what direction he went. And then Kevin is, like, super hippie leftist dude. Uh, Yeah, so, like, they all went very different routes. So, like, uh, I've seen plenty of posts of his on Twitter or Instagram where, like, he'll post something super leftist uh, and then people just, like, start going to town on him. Uh, But, no, he's... But he was always, like, the artsy, like, poetry dude in the group and so it kind of makes sense that you know as he got older and as he experienced more life you know it would kind of pull those sides out of him and he still is a Christian but I think that as you experience life more it it doesn't make sense how you could be a Christian and not be leftist to me and not be more of a hippie because it is a religion where you're following a brown dude that was poor and lived in the desert like that's yeah and you know (laughs) that's what it boils down to the stuff that he preached i mean like it is i i always try to like bring this up when i'm talking with my dad like try to bring the uh when we're my dad and i talk have always talked politics like pretty openly we'll get into it and argue with each other like he's pretty conservative pretty like anti-left in a lot of ways as far as like he's just really afraid of communism and shit um, as that generation is uh but i try to bring things back around to like you know how do you square having this belief in like basically selfishness is good uh mm-hmm. with being a like supposed supposedly a follower of Christ's teachings um and you know I, that again you know compartmentalization i think is is the key to living yeah. that those two truths um but uh but yeah the 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 is michael is that the black dude from uh yeah okay he i actually had a a revelation that i remember like feeling so insulated when i had this when i was uh i got i started getting into a couple years ago and now i'm i'm trying to uh shoehorn myself into like bread tube like leftist youtube um and i've been making these like video essays and stuff like you know mm-hmm. Uh, really like simping for like attention uh, from the the leftist like content creators but I um I uh I I, this one guy named Big Joel started videos from him started popping up and he has like some explicitly leftist stuff like he's definitely a at least like super progressive guy Um, but he has these it's more like kind of English major style like media analysis type videos and uh, he he has uh, like three really long videos on the God's Not Dead films, mm-hmm. um, and I sorry I just got a gift from Zoom. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, so where was I? Um, uh, the God's Not Dead. Films. Right, right, yeah. Those, yeah. those. Uh, so I never watched the movies, but his his videos on them. Have you, are you familiar with him at all, Big Joel, this YouTuber guy? I'm not, but I'm very familiar with the God's Not Dead films. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. Um, I highly recommend uh, those videos to anybody that, you know, that's a hot uh, Haas recommends there, and uh, also to you, Zach. Um, they're, because um, they, they are like, he does a really good job of, it. they're not like stupid, like Bill Maher, atheist type, like, oh, this yeah. Christian shit is so dumb kind of stuff, because that shit is just as annoying and stupid to me now as like, you know, hardcore Christians trying to shove the religion down your throat to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, he does a really good job, I think, of like just really exploring it as a text and talking about how, like, you know, it, it is because those movies are silly as shit. So, of course, the videos are kind of funny, but not really because he's trying to make them funny. It's more just because the movies are silly. Yeah, the, the um, content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of more about like, um, you know how does this the christian propaganda like work like what is it there they really like try to do and um you know they're not and it he really dives into like how it's like they're not really saying anything that's like pro religion like pro belief in god type arguments it's all very like anti-secular anti 
like broadly speaking like anti-liberal anti yeah. sort of anti-left in a way um and uh, those videos are great but uh he but uh, like when i was watching one of those and we got to the end my girlfriend like hates me because i will get these horrible songs stuck in her head but the, the god's not dead theme song or whatever oh yeah it's like playing yeah. at the end and i'm like you know I'm like oh, they're talking about they're at a newsboys concert but wait a minute that's is that the black dude from uh dc talk <laughs> wait a minute what am i and i was like dude how i am the only person in the universe i feel like you know obviously there's people like you who grew up who know that music who i'm just yeah. like I knew immediately. I was like, "Oh shit!" The dude, the Australian lead singer of the Newsboys, I guess, quit, and then the dude from uh, DC Talk replaced him as the singer. And you know, I'm trying to tell my girlfriend this. Who, I mean, she was raised somewhat religious, I think, but like, you know, she grew up in the suburbs, like totally different type of <laughs> yeah religious uh, upbringing. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I was like, I couldn't believe like I. I, I immediately like was familiar like knew what that guy looked like enough to like know what had happened there and like man I missed a big shift in the Christian music world there I guess um but uh but yeah so <laughs> no I uh, I feel you on that uh that kind of stuff like obviously I don't follow majority of those I still listen to a ton of Christian music like a, a lot of Christian metal bands are still my go-to mm-hmm. uh but like when stuff like that happens like I have no one to talk to about it. Like it's so, like so many like things from my childhood that are all like converging. Because uh, the same thing happened. Kevin from DC Talk fronted Audio Adrenaline for a little while, which oh. is like another huge like Christian rock band from the '90s. Uh, but I was like, who do I tell this to? Like no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. like, no I have people. to put this out somewhere, but yeah. I don't know who to tell. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um... That's and you know another an example of a band that was probably the biggest bridge for me from like uh, Christian weirdo music to uh, you know just alternative weirdo music was Five Iron Frenzy. Were you ever a Five Iron oh, yeah. Frenzy fan? Yeah, no, I love Five Iron Frenzy. And there was a uh, a band that was on Solid State. They're they're local. Uh, Become the archetype that I, I ran merch for for a little while. So I'd go out on the road with them. Uh, and their guitarist filled in uh, for Micah on a couple Five Iron Frenzy tours. Ooh, so cool. yeah, and no, I, I love Five Iron. I, I mean, it's, I love ska as a whole. So mm-hmm. you know, having that <laughs> that outlet, uh, them and OC Supertones were like my my go to ska bands. That way, I could still stay in the Christian realm. But no, like you said, they even them kind of started to lean more left and become more progressive uh, as they went on. I mean, really from the, their first album has that mm-hmm. song Old West on it. And there was always a, uh, you know, you could tell Reese Roper just had a thing for it, which I think is is very much justified I, uh, about like uh, Native Americans and yeah. really talking about like the hypocrisy of the like, you know, manifest destiny and, um, you know, Americanism and sort of like the Christian right, like ignoring this like cardinal sin of you know um, the United States and yeah. you know, uh, people on this you know what we did to the people who were on this land. Um, I have several songs about that Banner Year, uh, mm-hmm. the, day, the Day We Killed, and Old West, and yeah. Um, and he, they also have like some songs that are about like you know corporate run media and yeah. you know some di- stuff that's like pretty giants that's another really good song of theirs mm-hmm. that's about like you know corporations and uh you know very you know leftist or at least progressive ideas in those um and you know that's and I, to me it always seemed like that made more sense like you know their christianity didn't really like or their faith like didn't you know uh conflict at all with those more progressive politics and you know I actually have kind of a little personal experience with Five Iron 2 which I'm gonna put put a reminder in here to cut this part out because uh, I'm you know still trying to keep it somewhat clean but um for uh you know because I am still interviewing for teaching jobs but um I uh my friend, the the first tour I ever went on as a bass player was, I was like 14. I went on tour with Taj Motel Trio, who's like 
a regional ska punk band um, mm-hmm. that are from our hometown. Uh, that you know they have they have a pretty decent following in some cities. So like you know they're still together and they've you know tour most years and put out quite a few albums over the years and stuff. But uh, they when I was you know they were mostly like late teens, early twenties, and I was like a freshman in high school and they needed a bass player to go on this tour. So I wound up playing bass with them for a few years off and on until I was like 16, 17. And um, that and that was like an awesome experience for me, obviously, yeah. um, you know, being like a huge punk and ska fan, especially at the time. And uh, I, um, but then, you know, a few years later, my friend Max, who's like my, you know, musical partner, best friend, uh, from very young age, he um, started playing bass with that same band. So there's like this <laughs> incestuous, like musical <laughs> friend group, all like playing bass and drums and guitar for each other's bands. And um, he, but they actually like hit the point of being like, you know, cause Five Iron, I don't know if you know, like they got back together and yeah. have been playing again over the past like decade or so. And uh, they, um, a couple years ago, they played a show in Atlanta and they and uh, Taj Mahal Trio had been opening for Five Iron on some of their Southeast shows, and so like you know that was an awesome thing that my friend got and musical partner got to do uh, open for Five Iron and like hang out with those guys and stuff. And uh, then uh, when they played a show in Atlanta a couple years ago, um, they had uh, apparently like they're all pretty much atheists now. Um, mm-hmm. or at least like just not super religious anymore. And you can tell like the content on their newer albums is like yeah. not really religious at all. Um, I don't know if Reese Roper is still somewhat religious or whatever, or, you know, how they handle all that. But like, uh, and you know, they're from Colorado and apparently like a few of them are big. And this is why I'm, I have to cut this part out. Uh, but the, 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 the this is just for you. The, um, and so, you know, my friend Max calls me up and he's like, hey, dude, um, I want to get you backstage at this uh, Five Iron show. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I'll come hang out backstage, like meet Five Iron friends. I'd never met them before. I remember just like standing there. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this isn't cool. This is fucking just like taking this huge, unnecessary risk. <laughs> And if this is just awkward, I've got, you know, bands from that era. Uh, I just heard back from the guitar player for Eve Six. If you remember Eve Six. Oh, uh, of course. He's going to come on the podcast soon. Um, and uh, he's apparently like a pretty political guy now. The the uh, singer slash bass player for Eve Six has been running their Twitter account lately. Oh, he's, he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. His very- stuff is so good. <laughs> very funny that's why i I reached out to them because i was like you know they're um not as huge obviously as they used to be yeah and uh so you know maybe they would like lower themselves to to come on the show (laughs) and uh you know since they've got this like they've got an album coming out soon i think and yeah um but you know so that's kind of neat but anyway uh let's so let's get back to let's get this conversation back on track here and uh or i don't know if there's like anything else you wanted to add i think you basically like did a a pretty good job of sort of like summing up your background and like how your um and you know to some to some degree talked about how like uh you know christ teachings or whatever being raised christian like how that sort of like uh informs your politics now um i guess like really the only you know and i'll see if you had anything else in mind that you wanted to add obviously uh after i ask you this but the only other thing i kind of i'm curious about is like you know jewish people i've always kind of admired their ability to square being like a modern educated person with their religious tradition Mm -hmm. and so it's like you know somebody can be like culturally jewish and you know they still observe some of the holidays and some of the teachings and you know get some of the morality from it but they don't like follow it dogmatically and they don't like believe in the supernatural elements of it or whatever yeah see it as like more of a cultural tradition that is they can be like kind of flexible with do you think there's any hope of christianity maybe becoming something similar to that and is there is there ever going to be a day when it's like not a weird thing to say like yeah, I'm Christian, and that doesn't necessarily mean you believe in supernatural shit. I I hope so. 
I really do because I, like I said before, I do think there's really good things that could be taken away from it. I, I mean, it is essentially a hippie religion. Uh, it was communes. They shared, you know, it was small groups. They shared all their food. They shared all their profits. Like that was, everything was all together. Uh, but it's become this weird thing. And I think in other countries, it, it's vastly different the way they view Christianity than the way that we've kind of tied it up with capitalism. Uh, because everything here is based on money, everything, even, you know, to the point of there's churches that if you don't give your tithe, they'll send you mail and be like, Hey, we haven't received your 10%. Like the way things are tied up in, in capitalism and Christianity kind of trying to marry the two, I really think has just fucked it for everybody. Uh, I think we'll see Christianity really die out, uh, in a major way. And then I think it could be rebuilt from there. Uh, but it's similar to what I always tell my wife is like in 20 to 30 years, our country will be a lot better because anyone over 50 will either just be not in control or dead. And that's really what we need. Uh, we need people our age and then better yet, my kids, uh, my kids are nine and you know five now. So 30 years when they're leading the world, when they're taking charge, my son doesn't give a shit if anyone's gay. Like, do you want to play? Cool. Like that kid has two dads cool who cares uh mm. like he has questions about it if it's something he's never seen but there's no judgment uh mm. all those things are taught i was taught to judge people that were different uh you know fear the other so i think we're seeing a generation of people who aren't raising their kids that way so if then those kids are interested in christianity or or pick up the bible i've always said that even though i'm not religious if my son asks hey let's get a, a copy of each book you know if you want to read the quran together let's read the quran together We'll go over questions you have. If it makes sense to you, cool. If not, then we can move on to the next one. Uh, you know, kind of take it that approach of what things did you learn from this? Does it make sense to you? Do you like it? We can explore further. If not, then let's just move on. Uh, I think it, if more people can adopt Christianity that way, I think it'll be good. Uh, there are some people that already do it. There's one band uh, called Silent Planet. Highly recommend them super political super progressive uh but very much christian uh the the <laughs> their their albums come with like extensive footnotes for all the references in his lyrics like it's super well thought out uh super intense lyrically uh and then recently he went through like a mental health episode and was institutionalized for a little while uh and now he's very openly talking about that experience and like how that is going to influence their new album and what he's writing about uh, I'll send you some stuff. It's super cool, uh, but very progressive. If I would have seen it at 15, I would have shit myself because I'd been like, there's no way this is Christian. Like, and this is, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Uh, but I think if we have more people like that and they're signed to a Christian record label, so, you know, the kids like me who only listen to Christian metal bands, if they're getting introduced to Silent Planet at 15, it's really going to change the way they view Christianity uh, and then the worldview that that gives. Whereas I didn't have that. So I do think that we are seeing some of that change. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just don't know if we can separate Christianity and capitalism until <laughs> a generation is gone. Uh, I just don't think we can. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, everything being tied up with uh, capitalism. And I mean, th this is like a, a whole other topic that I would definitely want to, you know, if you ever want to come back and, you know, talk more about this stuff, uh, I'm something that I have had in mind, like uh, that. A lot of, um, I guess, you know, public intellectuals or scholars or whoever who I like have, have brought this point up about how, like, you know, American culture is very much still, you can see the echoes of the puritanical roots yeah. um, that express themselves in all these really interesting ways that have, like, adapted to the modern world. Um, but then it's like you tie that up with the capitalism the, the capitalistic roots and the sort of like egoist uh mentality and ethos of this country and the the way that we've you know built up the the modern uh you know our our modern mindset mm -hmm. uh, when that is like intertwined with those puritanical roots it's like comes out in all these really unhealthy ways and like i said that's like 
a very huge topic that requires a yeah. lot of like you know history and you know lots of uh, bullet points to really go in depth about that but you know if that's something you'd like to talk about or you know anything else that's sort of related to that i'd yeah. love to talk to you again no no i i love conversations like that i've got one nephew i've been trying to radicalize for a little while uh and the conversation and it started around like the BLM movement. I, he had seen me post a picture of, you know, going to a rally and it was the rally that you and I had met at. Uh, and so he was asking like, you know, what my involvement, what my thoughts were, cause he's still very much tied up uh, in the spot I was at, you know, 16, 17. Mm. Uh, this is what I believe and I have to protect it no matter what. Uh, and I was like, well, let me just ask you one question. Cause like obviously he has a ton of gay friends uh, and I'm like, you know, the church, you go to would not welcome them. They would not welcome your friends because they're openly gay. Uh, but what about your friends who go to church and their parents are divorced? Like the church has no problem with divorce because that's a smaller set. That's a larger segment of people. The gay, the gay community to them is smaller. So it's safer to segment them out without hurting their bottom line. You know, if we get rid of, if we say, Hey, people who are divorced can't come to church anymore because you're going to hell, you got divorced. What's that going to do for their margins? It's really bad. Tithes are going to go down. So you have to pick an other, and gay people was a good other for them. Uh, it's like, it's just good marketing on their part. You have to right. have an enemy. They picked an enemy, but it doesn't hurt their bottom line. He was like, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, just start to think about things like that. Like, what is the church picking that's bad, and what are they accepting of, and why are they accepting of it? Uh, and so that kind of planted some seeds in him, and we've had some conversations after that. Uh, so slowly trying to radicalize him. I know he voted for Trump. Uh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't imagine being you know, an 18 year old. It's my first election and I voted for Trump. But uh, yeah. it scares me that that could have been me. So <laughs> yeah, especially, I mean, there's a whole other thing is like the, um, you know, the compartmentalization of just the Christian right and being in bed with Trumpism is like just so insane. But yeah, yeah, it's weird. It goes um, back to what we started with was cognitive dissonance. Yeah, sure. He's the exact opposite of everything you claim, but we got to make it fit somehow. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what. Uh, did you see the most recent, or I don't think it was the most recent one, but there was a recent. Uh, Chris Crofton did an advice king. Um, that was uh, sort of related to the uh, the video I posted recently um, where he talked about uh, transgender. It was like he was he was answering somebody's question about like, um, I don't get transgender people. Like, you know, I don't. What is all this? When I was a kid, there were no transgender people. And uh, he has it's, it's a great video. I'd recommend anybody listening. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, check that out. And it's uh one of the things that he brings up in it though is kind of similar to a point you were just making about how like you know um hey gay people are it's not really like feasible to be anti-gay to the same degree that we used to be because so many more gay people are out and feel like mm -hmm. safe and emboldened to be who they are than you know used to be even just like 10 15 years ago yeah um but uh but now it's like transgender people there's an there's a group of people that's maybe like small enough that mm -hmm. we don't have to really worry about like them that in the same way that you know and but you know hopefully that will change and with transgender people being more or trans people being more uh you know willing and emboldened to be who they are um you know i think we are seeing witnessing that change right now yeah. but obviously it's like pulling teeth with some of these ding dongs <laughs> no they're uh they're actively dwindling their own numbers by trying to segment everybody out Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, pick the groups that they have to hate or if, and I mean, we're seeing, you know, all these mega churches that are all in essentially just propaganda machines now. Uh, but people do leave those churches because it doesn't make sense to them. So they are hurting themselves by aligning with the people they think are in power to try to hold on to their own power. Uh, so I think they're just going to keep diluting themselves down where they mm. kind of just fizzle out. I think that's the inevitable end of this is sure. you, you, you can only hate so many people before everybody start hating you. Like it's, there's going to be no one left. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> I mean, we, we can only hope that uh, it will at 
least you know start ending up that way at some point yeah um but uh yeah so um i'm gonna go ahead and start wrapping up because i don't want to give myself too much to edit i'm trying to I'm trying to get back to the and i mean i don't know i don't think i'll have to edit much of this but i now because especially because i said that thing about uh you know fire and frenzy in the middle of yeah the you gotta go now, take that out i'm gonna have to go through the whole thing now and make sure i didn't say anything else uh but um yeah i uh so is there i guess we can go ahead and wrap it up but like um I, I'd love to, you know, have you on again and talk about this stuff or, you know, what, whatever else you want to talk about. Um, I'm going to try to start doing the show more often and doing more like sort of shorter interviews, 30 minutes to an hour long, uh, mm -hmm. like not interviews, but more just like having a guest on the show to talk about just whatever's kind of going on at the moment and um, doing maybe some live streams and stuff like that. And so that I can like just kind of get more stuff coming out. Um, but, uh, for now, is there, uh, anything else you'd like to add? No, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I've been loving the podcast. It's been cool to see how it's, you know, kind of grown and evolved, uh, and kind of your confidence building over the last couple months, uh, since I it started. That. So no, it's, I love it. Uh, I've been listening to it in the car with my kids. So, That's you know, awesome. we don't, we don't do much outside of the house other than just like get in the car and drive around. So we'll just pick a podcast. Uh, they like the music and the weird songs, so that Hell yeah. it, it keeps them entertained. And then I can plant <laughs> seeds of, of leftism in them. So <laughs> awesome! Well, very glad to hear that. Um, thank you so much. And um, do you want to like? Do you have like an Instagram you want to plug or anything, or do you mainly just want to plug your Twitter? Just Twitter. I don't post on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and then it's just shit posting on Twitter. So yeah, if somebody wants to follow that, have at it. Yeah, um, and that's uh, it's it's just your full name, Zach Van Noose, right? Yep. Yeah, Z A C K V A N N U S. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining me. No, absolutely, I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all. Uh, please return next week to hear Eve Six's John Siebels. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Haas underscore Bossman. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Haas underscore Bossman. And be sure to get a copy of the Sounds of Breadsheet today. As Bandcamp is waiving their take just for today, that's at hossbossman.bandcamp.com. And also grab some of my serious-ish real-ish music at thekmax.bandcamp.com t-h-e-k-m-a-c-k-s.bandcamp.com uh, and you know today would be a great day to do it because I'll keep more of the money I'll get to keep more of the money dollars from that uh, follow Zach at Zach Van Noose that's Z-A-C-K-V-A-N-N-U-S on Twitter and as always make sure and radiate healing light from the deepest innards of your beautiful soul Come back next Friday, one week from today, for the next edition of Breadsheet with Mr. John Siebels. I love you. Mwah.